0: Gunfighter Cast Episode 99. Today's episode is going to focus on the H VP9. Uh, recently, had occasion to go spend a few hours at the range with Scott Ballard, in which case we focused on a review of the VP9. Uh, I do want to give the uh, the disclaimer that uh, we did record out in the field, so you're going to hear realistic gun sounds and uh, wind blowing and all that fun stuff that makes it less than uh ideal recording conditions in addition to this uh review of the vp9 daniel did a uh video which we're going to put a link to in the show notes uh with Funker tactical a video review of his experiences shooting the vp9 at uh, i think it was a two-day uh pistol course that he was involved in but that's only uh the video is only about five minutes long and figured what people really wanted was to hear two people ramble for about an hour uh, about the pistol. So that is uh, what we've got in store for you today. I'm going to keep this real short because, like I said, it's uh, going to be about an hour of us uh, talking and shooting on the range and so forth. I do want to thank our uh, sponsor, Ares Gear, for all their support in the past and uh, current iteration of the show please go out and uh, check them out at uh, ariesgear.com. Uh, without any further delay, here is our review of the HK VP9. So I'm here at Six Hour Academy with Scott Ballard, uh, as promised, for a, a review. For me, it's going to be my first impressions. Uh, Scott's had a little more experience with it, but it's going to be the uh, looking into the VP9 by Heckler & Koch. And... Uh, I want to welcome my uh, co-host for this segment, Scott Ballard. Hi, Scott. Hello, co-host. I've been promoted. Yes. Yes. Uh-oh.
1: Yes. A, A field promotion. promotion. A field promotion, yes. They'll take away my, go back to my, revert to my permanent rank here soon. Yes. So,
0: uh, so I mean, I guess I do want to throw it out as far as, uh, you know, my first impressions is that I do, uh, you know, I do work for Sig Sauer, so, uh, Anything, Anytime I'm uh, evaluating another manufacturer's firearm, you know, feel free to take that with a grain of salt. But I just wanted to kind of get some uh, initial impressions. I mean, I, I've been shooting for a few minutes now, so, I mean, I think I do have some valid opinions on it, or, or will have shortly. And uh, you've had some uh, a lot more experience with this gun than I have, correct?
1: Yeah, we were evaluating it for some uh, protective security details, and it came into play, and they actually did choose it. Oh. yeah, it's a it's a really good gun. Um, it does it works. You know, you press the trigger, it goes bang, and the projectile goes downrange. So mm-hmm. it met the needs. Um, now, you know, that being said, it was a European detail, uh-huh. and uh, HK's got a much better following over there. Uh, remember Interpol, Europol—they all use the uh, P30s. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a, a tremendous love affair over there, along with other manufacturers. And uh, well, that brings up a good point. Um, I'm sure that p30
0: heritage would uh, definitely give um, give this pistol and uh, kind of an up in that arena because this is well not the same thing a derivative of the H uh, and K p30
1: correct yeah it's a, it's actually it's very close to the p30 the the bottom end uh, feels exactly like a p30 the grips uh, the different grip panels on the side as well as the back strap are, are all p30 the mag release is p30 it even uses p30 mags mm-hmm. so for transitioning if over from p30 to striker fire type gun it was a you know they, they did their homework they did a good job with it i believe the recoil assemblies uh, recoil spring assemblies the same way
0: do you know if it's uh same holster it is same holster same holster so yeah a lot of uh applicability the the p30 was traditional double action.
1: Well, yeah, they had the different versions. There's like four different versions, nice. of it, so you could get the Lam and stuff. The, the ones that we all worked with were the DASA with the decocking uh, lever button on the back next to the hammer on the left side of the hammer. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's got a great heritage when it comes to that. But as far as the slide and stuff like that, uh, quite a bit of it is exactly the same, the extractor. So I, I think they weren't trying to necessarily reinvent the wheel as much as they were just trying to give a good striker-fired gun. But, uh, again, remember, they're, you know, they're no strangers to striker-fired and polymer.
0: Yeah. So. Um, P7 was their last striker-fired,
1: correct? Yeah, well, the P7, yeah, M8, M13, M10, those guns were great, but the uh, they made polymer guns way back long before Glock ever made a polymer gun. Mm-hmm. So, and it was a short-lived kind of, I don't know, uh, for lack of a better term, ugly gun that didn't really catch on, at least uh, not at the time. Yeah. So.
0: Well, uh, well, you said an ugly gun. Aesthetically, uh, I think this is a, a nice-looking pistol. I mean, uh, you know, I'm definitely coming from a background of SIGs. It looks different than what I'm used to, but, I mean, it, if that's an important uh, feature for somebody, um, you know, I suppose that's in the eye of the beholder, but, I mean, it seems to be a pretty attractive firearm. Um, they said that they worked on this, and you know, in the interest of full disclosure, um, I'm working off some some notes I took off the Heckler and Coke website, which it is Coke, by the way. Coke. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, I did my due diligence uh, hard enough. Most uh, even the videos on the Heckler and Coke website they refer to it as the H and K, which I will probably do for the rest of the uh, evaluation now. But the uh, H&K, they said they worked on this gun for like four years trying to design it. Um, they describe what this has as an HK light pull trigger. Um, I haven't shot it yet, so we're going to talk a little bit, and then we'll stop recording, shoot a little bit, and then come back and, and see what uh, what I think of that. But as far as the um, actual model we have, we've got the, uh, I guess you'd call it the civilian version in that the sights are different, um, if you looked at the version in uh, in Daniel's YouTube video that he put up for Funker Tactical, he had the uh, the LE sights on the top, which the uh, sights on this model, they're not tritium, they're day glow, and they're also, um, the rear sight's more of a, it's just a straight ramp, so it wouldn't be that great for hooking that rear sight on any gear or anything. It'd probably be a, a no-deal for that, Goes whereas the LE, Rear sights got that little bit of a ridge that you can handle
1: that for. So, if that's a consideration, well, well the good news on that though is is that um, the P thirty sights work. Mm-hmm. They fit in there. So um, Heine and obviously Trigicon and Meprolite and those type of people, but also 10A Performance, all have really good sights that are already they're already set up. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to get rid of from those, you know, for to me these sights, the glow in the dark part is almost like you know, remember your old glow in the dark toys. Yeah, it's a lot like that to me. So mm-hmm. I, you know, for uh, on my guns, my you know, it's it's pop them out real quick. Uh, no different than if you buy a Glock. Yeah, you know, the sights have got to go. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, on this gun here, if I were carrying one, the sights have got to go. I'd have to switch them out. The nice thing is, is that they're dovetailed in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a it's quick change. Yeah, you know, it's a real quick change. Good. Uh, so,
0: well, let's, I mean, we're working, looking at the slide right now. It's got uh, cocking striations on the front and back, if that's uh, something that's important to you. I don't, uh, I don't do too much with the, the front cocking serrations other than look at them. But uh, I try, and if I can manipulate the slide from the back end as opposed to the front, I stay
1: away from the muzzle. But, but it looks so cool when you just reach up there and it does do that little quick It does check. look cool. And- Um, Uh, i'm just not mad enough to put my hand that close to the muzzle (laughs) scares me
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, and you know we talked about checking it does have a a chamber loaded indicator on the extractor Uh, looks like there's a little bit of red paint in there Um, this gun here um, hasn't actually even been fired yet this will be the first rounds here shortly so i don't even know what that looks like when it's actually sitting on a loaded chamber so we'll see if that's uh, if it's very visual very tactile but but I think, again, you know, just for commonality purposes, I think I do some type of a press check rather than rely on that little bit of red paint. Uh, rear caulking striations, and I guess what um, kind of makes this unique in its uh, configuration are the charging supports at the back of the rear uh, slide striations. Just, um, I believe they're polymer inserts. Yeah, I feel like they're polymer. Um, just kind of a little ridge on both sides are supposed to make it a little bit easier to grab the back of the slide to uh, for manipulations. Uh, you've run those before. Any any thoughts on those? Uh,
1: you, you know, they're there. I think they're they're cool. There's kind of a CDI factor to it, but mm-hmm. um, the the thing that I like about them is they're removable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think they added enough to the to the you know to the table to make it worthwhile. To, um, other than yeah, I guess some people if they use a pinch technique. That's fine. Um, Being an old 1911 guy, I'm either a slide catch lever or I come over the top. Yeah. You know, mag in, hand over the top, and I I grab a hold of it and slingshot that thing. Or not slingshot it, but, uh, you know, rip it back and let it it go. So. Go ahead. If you're so inclined to do a pinch, it's definitely an attribute. Mm -hmm. It really definitely is. Um, i don 't think that they would add any benefit for one handed operation because they, the, uh, they slip off the edge of the holster or off the edge of the belt too easily
0: yeah, so. I was just looking at the profile it 's not it 's not even flat or anything it's it is still angled so yeah i don 't think you could really manipulate the slide very well with those, but one thing I noticed um, and it just kind of looked you know the slide looks different than, than what i 'm used to and you 've got a lot more experience with blocks and other models than I do, but it seems like there's a lot more real estate to do that over the the top technique on that pistol, the way the the slides configured, than uh, than maybe some other models out there. Uh,
1: yeah, I I see what you're saying. I understand that it's the the ejection port centered and it's supposed to be centered. Uh, it keeps the balance on the gun. But yeah, there's there's more meat back there. Um, and and kind of
0: what I'm referring to is I can I can do the over the top technique. And I can even use that rear, um, what do they call it there, the charging support. And my finger's really not over the ejection port at all covering. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of times people do the the over-the-top technique, and they've got some digits over the ejection port to where they're, you know, if they're trying to clear a malfunction, they're, um, you know, potentially going to make the situation worse because they don't have a clear ejection port. That seems to have a lot more real estate behind the ejection port to grab onto. To uh, to clear those malfunctions.
1: Yeah, but also it's uh, this is an uh, external extractor gun, mm-hmm. um, and it's a it's fairly long extractor. But it's again I'm comparing it to my to a two two nine sitting right here, and it's about pretty much it looks like it's about the same length. So I'm not sure that that's any real benefit there. It's just it does look like there's a, there's a lot more to it. So mm-hmm. I can see where that'd be a real attribute not getting your hand over that ejection port. Huh? Yep. So, um, so
0: that's pretty much the differences of the um, differences of slides, or at least first impressions. Well, no, it's really not, because there's uh, in the back end, there's a um, a chart. What do you, what you call it? A charged striker indicator. Yeah. Um, when the striker's charged, you can clearly see red at the back of the slide. Uh, if the striker's forward. It's black, pretty much.
1: Well, I think that some of that goes back to the—that's the P7. Line. Mm-hmm. Oh, the gun just ran away. Yep. Uh, the P7 line had that when you squeeze cock on the P7, you could actually see that striker, you know, that indicator coming and sticking out from the back. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's definitely that HK attribute. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess
0: it's—it's it's nothing that I—I I think I would really need on a striker-fired gun. I think it might be a. Uh, an idiot indicator
1: really if i've forgotten a chamber around um springfield has it you yeah know. it's it, it's kind of i guess it's a way to see if the guns you know is the gun cocked yeah you know it's, it's you know, a real good way of finding out if the gun's cocked is it's hard
0: if, to get it loaded without having the gun cocked though isn't yeah it? i think so, so you know. again I, I think the the press check you know, being kind of a universal method would save me from having to rely on looking at the back of the gun and looking at the extractor to see if i see any red paint or whatever but you know that's uh, that's just me, I guess. Uh, moving on to the frame uh, I guess one of the attributes of this uh, pistol is it's truly ambidextrous uh, it's got the what they call at least in uh what I got off the website, they call it a slide release, uh, ambidextrous on both sides. there's one on each side, and also the um the magazine release, not a typical uh, American style. Uh, where it 's a push button at the uh, bottom of the trigger guard, the magazine releases are on both sides they 're kind of levers that are integrated into the um, the bottom edge of the trigger guard where the trigger guard meets the the grip pressed down on the little paddle, and uh, both of them move simultaneously releases the magazine um, what are your thoughts on that type of, that configuration for a mag release?
1: Well, I, I like the fact that it's truly ambidextrous. I don't have to switch anything around. I you know, go one hand to the other. Uh, having shot a lot of HKs, especially a lot of USPs, I got used to it. I really like it. But I was dropping the magazine with my trigger finger. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was doing that is I've got extremely short thumbs. I mean, I've got you know, short, fat sausage fingers as it is. But, you know, my thumbs are not very long. So in order to get over to the mag release on just about any gun, I have to literally turn the gun in my hand as part of that operation, whereas when I use that lever style from the, H, you know, on the HK guns, I, I know I'm taking my finger off the trigger, and I'm just coming back and pushing down on that um, so I'm not re-adjusting my firing grip. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I just straighten my finger back out, it goes back up on the frame up above, and uh, it's really no worse for the wear. It just It was a little bit of a training issue yeah. At first, but now mm-hmm. I shoot it. If I grab an HK and I shoot it a little bit, it just comes back to me naturally. Yeah, uh, I do like that whole. It's truly ambidextrous, but more importantly, I like being able to drop the mag without changing my firing grip.
0: Yeah, I I'm the same way with uh, with my SIGs. Uh, as far as I have to shift it a little bit in my hand to get to that uh, the traditional mag release, and I, I mean, I actually prefer that. I, you know, I don't I don't want an extended mag release i don't want something that's already resting under my thumb because i don't want to you know under stress you know grip the grip too tight and end up dumping my magazine when i don't intend to so i like to have to reach a little bit for the control but but this is i mean it's extreme it's a significant shift if i want to use my thumb um to to use that paddle so like you were saying um really all i've done with this gun at this point like i said i haven't fired it i have taken the magazine out a few times and uh, i do like the the index finger using the paddle i mean you know one of the advantages you're not fingers not on the trigger when it's manipulating another control so mm-hmm. keeps your uh, your finger off the trigger um didn't mention it but it's uh i mean it's polymer framed we moved into the frame uh polymer frame so we've talked about the ambidexer's controls. Uh, the trigger is a tabbed trigger, uh, similar to like you know what you'd see on the Glocks, um, and that's for
1: the drop safe of the of, of the functioning of the firearm. Yeah, it's going to be part of the drop safe system. It's just um, you know there's there's uh, yeah if you compare it to the three yeah, the Sig 320, you know it, Sig is offering the tab trigger. But it's not a. It's very few people have chosen it yet, and it's because there's a firing or a striker block inside of the Sig that accesses the block as the drop safe. So uh, it does mean it now you know with Glock you have that similar tab trigger. Um, I've never had a problem with them. It's just a matter of getting used to them. Mm-hmm. I have had some on some Glocks where I've had to actually take a little bit of excess plastic off, only because you know in the production process they they just left a little bit too much plastic in. Uh, you know, like the over, it wasn't as smooth as it should have been. Mm-hmm. And once I smoothed that out, it just it was just fine. So,
0: so you're saying yeah. they didn't uh, take the time to smooth out that four cent plastic part? For yeah, you? On the, yeah, on the Glocks. No. Yeah, but again, <laughs> that,
1: you know, I'm not saying that that was with all of the guns. It's yeah. just, you know, every once in a while I've seen one, and I've literally gone through thousands of Glocks because you know we were we'd issue them out to the guys under contract, and then cut them up at the end and issue new guns at the you know beginning of new contracts. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I, I don't really see it with the H and K, you know, we've stepped up a little bit in the quality and I haven't seen any problems like that at all. I yeah. Mean, these are...
0: The, um, in front of the trigger guard, there's a rail on the frame and it is a, uh, Picatinny mill standard 1913 rail. Um, how heavy of a, of an accessory do you think you could put on that rail?
1: We were running X, uh, X300 ultras. Do you and, know how heavy those are? Um, no they're they're not super heavy I mean none of those lights are really all that heavy but x three hundred ultra is about you know it's it's a big light it's a good sized light uh, it protruded out the front um, you know i I've, I've heard people talk about the, you know running those different stream lights and things like that but yeah I'd still say we're you know you're not really getting all that big you know, really.
0: yeah well, the only reason I brought it up is because it was actually on the website that that rail will accommodate accessories up to five point six ounces yeah um which kind of interested me because I'd never actually seen that printed on other firearms manufacturers before where they list the weight of that. Yeah, Well, um, if you
1: look at um, the units like the Laser Devices, Inc., mm-hmm. where they've got that, it's the, you know, it's got a, they've got the, obviously it's got the light on it. And then I think they have like a, a laser or they might even have an IR laser or something like that on there. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really big unit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I could see where that with batteries and everything else, or even, you know, um, they're you know, with green lasers eating batteries the way they do, they might be going to heavier battery systems and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um.
0: So if that is a consideration for you, uh, weigh out your accessories, 5.6 ounces is what that's designed to accommodate. Um, the grip area, kind of uh, kind of unique. Most of your farm's manufacturers, I don't know of any of them really that aren't making... Uh, methods to, to be able to accommodate different hand sizes to their grips, but the, um, the H&K has a, a number of refinements uh, in that they uh, have a replaceable back strap, replaceable right panel, replaceable left panel, and they, uh, with the pistol you get uh, three back straps and six grip panels, three being left, three being right. And you can pretty much uh, mix and match any way you want. It's not, you've got to have all the smalls or all the mediums or all the large. In fact, you had brought it up when we were talking before the show. You could even, if you wanted to, run a a uh, large right and a small left if, you know, if for whatever reason, if, if that's what you wanted to do. Finger grooves are integral to the uh, the grip. So that's, you know, some people like the finger grooves, um you know, some people don't. I think that's just kind of a, a personal preference type of thing. And you set this up; um, it's got uh, currently all small panels on it now.
1: Yeah, for my hand, it's all set up to small because you know it's just the way it is. But I find a lot of people like just to go to small. They like really getting around the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some places, that's you know they're getting too far around the gun. Yeah, you know they're they're changing their grip on it. So you got to be careful about that. Some of the things that I've really noticed on it is, is when you say finger grooves, yeah, it has finger grooves, but it doesn't have Glock-like finger grooves. Mm-hmm. They're not so pronounced, and they're certainly not so tight together. So it's, it, I found that it's more comfortable in the hand than the Glock. Most of the time on my Glocks, I'm grinding those things out of the way or mm-hmm. having something like that done to them. Um, whereas this with the grip module here or with the grip here, you you can do that interchangeability behind all, the, behind all the different things. I do think it's a little too slick. Uh, the the overall finish? Yeah. I like blood donor checkering though, so I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily a good you know, the original RTF, not the RTF two. I I I like that. That was yeah. That was rough enough for me, but for the most part, you know. Yeah, I've I've got a soldering iron and it's kinda come off. One thing I did notice or that we actually started doing with all of the P30s we were running, and it may be a problem here, is once we determined what the person liked, we actually put silicone in behind the side panels mm-hmm. and more or less glued them in place because you could feel a little shift over time. Yep. Yep. So we just put some silicone in there and let that harden up, and that kind of took care of that problem. The panels, they didn't move anymore. Now, it also means that in order to take it apart... If you want to change those panels out, you're going to fight that silicone out of there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. And as far as changing the panels, um, you know, not... You need a certain amount, not not a whole lot of heavy tools, but it is a uh, a hammer and punch type operation
1: uh it, yeah, we were using a hammer and punch because the pin is base at the base of the back strap that this back strap slides in, and the back strap is what holds in the side panels the side panels slide fore to aft mm-hmm. um, and the back pan back one uh, the back strap slides up from the bottom of the gun, and there's a roll pin in there, and you really do need a roll pin punch to knock that out because it's it's not something that you just push out pretty easily, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, you know, as with all things plastic over time, it'll wear out, so, uh, yeah. you know, my recommendation is just find the, you know, find the setup you like and leave it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. uh,
1: and it looks like that roll
0: pin would actually be a, a mounting position for a lanyard if, if that was
1: one of those things that
0: you'd want to do. Yeah, the roll um, pin and the
1: cross pin is actually, you know, that's what you're going to la- latch onto with a lanyard if you're so inclined. Yeah.
0: Uh, personally no i've never needed one, but uh you know there are i'm sure there's some applications out there where it'd be handy to have your gun attached to a string to your body but yeah, okay. just, with horse you know, when you're on your horse and stuff yeah exactly yeah. exactly um the magazines you had already mentioned that uh it does take the the p thirty magazines do um, they
1: say that or were that before the show?
0: Oh I don't know doesn't but matter. we just said it now, yeah, so there you go It's still true that uh this pistol does accommodate the p thirty magazines uh which uh, theoretically it, it should make them easy to acquire but um i when i first you know when you first presented this to me to to do a um a test on and that was about a month ago um and just by way of background, I guess we'll go down a rabbit hole. Uh, it's just coincidence that Daniel decided to do a video on this gun because uh, we'd actually planned on you know putting this episode together kind of independently. But um, Daniel goes out and gets famous and does a video, so um, we're going to move on to it now. But that was you know, easy a month ago, and I went online to try and find some more magazines for it, and they were all out of stock, and uh, I signed up to be notified. and I, I mean, I still haven't heard, so I guess that's kind of... I have some experience with HK um, in the MP5 arena, and getting parts for those guns was always a challenge. At
1: least through through the channels that I had available to me in law enforcement, is H and K kind of a similar thing in your experience? In my experience, yeah, it's it's. You know, first off, did you happen to notice the price of those magazines that were out of stock?
0: Uh, I want to say mid
1: forties. Okay, that's not so bad. Yeah, um, yeah. It,
0: Obviously, but I'm, I couldn't buy them at that price. So. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they're, yeah, if they're made effective. of unobtainium. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: But it, the, the magazines have always been, I think they've always been an issue, but so has been things like recoil spring assemblies and stuff, just basic maintenance parts. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see an active armor or training program floating around out there from HK like you see with, for example, SIG or Glock or Smith & Wesson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, you know, you you get what we give you because we know what you need kind of thing going on there. But um, yeah, the, the thing that's, you know, the, the hardest thing about HK has always been finding those spare parts. And obviously there's websites out there, and we know that they're out there. Mm-hmm. But if they're just not available because HK's not making them. Yeah. Now, remember, though, when the, the M&P was out there for a while, it, you couldn't, you know, M&P mags were made. It's like they were made out of gold. Yeah. So I think everybody goes through it a little bit. And I don't know of that many firearms manufacturers that make their own magazines. True. So a lot of times you're limited. You know, it's, you know, people who make magazines... For one manufacturer, for example, like Beretta, uh, those are the same people who might be making them for other manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's only a limited number of mag- magazine manufacturers in the world, so I can't really blame this on HK as much as it is maybe it was just bad planning. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: so. Well, yeah, and I suppose it's it might not even it might be part of the plan to make sure that the gun takes off before you you know before you make all your money in your magazines. Yeah. You know what I mean. But uh, it, I mean, it was a little. Uh, and you know, I'm spoiled. You know, shooting SIGs and working up here at the academy, I've got a big broom of parts that I can access if I need to. But even on the, um, even if I didn't have that aspect available to me, just about anything I need's in the the retail, the pro shop up here at the academy. Yeah. I mean, there's a wall of magazines. Um, even things like the recoil springs, I can you know yeah. little parts kits to swap out those springs and so forth. So, um. You know, I think it's definitely something where, you know, if I chose to to run this gun, well, first of all, I'd want more magazines before I did it, but I'd probably start ordering up recoil springs and stuff now, as opposed to when I thought I needed them, just so that I may have them get ahead of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the the nice things is yeah, you know, the magazines are strong. These are you know these are sturdy, heavy steel. Um, they're zipper back for those people who are you know the um, follow the German world. The zipper back magazine means that it's it's not a weld. It's actually a zipper. It's a, like a dovetail type of lock. Um, heavier duty steel, things like that. It does have uh, indicator holes on the back so you can. Yeah, you know, if you want to take your gun out and see that I have 10 rounds left or mm. say you're in one of those states where you can only have 10 rounds or 7 rounds or something, you know, you can prove that you didn't. But um,
0: And those have, I mean, you know, I've seen witness holes at like, you know, the 5, the 10, the mm-hmm. 12 or 15. Yeah. Pretty much tells you all the rounds in there, right? Yeah, where, it, where yeah the it's, it's every go, but round it is, all the way down. Yeah, pretty much after your top three rounds, it's. Every round in there, you can
1: see. So, and this this might be part of the problem getting it back, is you know, made in Germany, kind of. you mm-hmm. know, It's it's probably part of the problem is you know just importing it and stuff. Um, it is your typical HK mag with very sharp edges and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my experience led me to believe that uh, you know a mag loader was my friend. Yeah. You know, on these, uh, they're when they're new, they're hard to press. Mm-hmm. You know They take there's a bit of time on them, but I I really couldn't fault it the way it um, you know the way it's built. I have just one small issue, but I've always had an issue with this when it comes to HK. Is if you look on the front of the magazine, you're going to see a slight notch with the the hump cut out, mm-hmm. and that's that's small. That's very small amount for what's holding the gun, holding the mag in the gun. Mm-hmm. It, it it positively latches, but it always makes me nervous when I don't see like a real, you know, a 1911 yeah. guy. I want that big notch in there. Yep. yep. And um, but also they did do is on the bottom of the grip. They did do a a half-moon cutout Mm -hmm. to allow you to be able to get your fingers in there. So if you do have it locked up in the gun somehow, they made accommodations for it where you can rip that out. Some kind of double feed or something where you're... Yeah, yeah, any type of that, you know, the dreaded double feed malfunction. Mm -hmm. The base plates are plastic on the magazines, but I can't say that I ever had any of them break.
0: They look pretty so, robust. I mean I, they're and, but I
1: think it's also a softer plastic too. Yeah. It's not that brittle plastic that some you know that sometimes happens and you know the guns'll you know, they break when you're dropping them. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind dropping these mags. Yeah. Um, you know, like you know, my H K P seven magazines, mm-hmm. you know, I don't drop those, but I don't even put out I don't even put ammo in those anymore. Yeah. So. And uh you talked about uh
0: you know the witness holes and stuff. I don't know if we mentioned it, but if we didn't the uh, standard magazine capacity for this would be a 15-rounder flush fit. and uh, They seem to drop free pretty well in my limited uh, experience with them. doesn't look like you'd need to use those half-moon cutouts for a standard uh, reload, but, again, good to have if you do need to, to rip that magazine out of there.
1: Yeah. So how do you feel about that, though, 15 rounds? It's kind of a big gun for
0: only 15 rounds. Well, I've seen some video comparisons because, again, uh, you know, knowing what we were gonna talk about. I wanted to see what other people thought. And it did one of the criticisms was it, it did seem to be a a big pistol for that size mag capacity. You know, if um you know with the stuff that's out there, the a full size three twenty, full size Glock seventeen, you know, easily getting uh, you know, seventeen rounds in a flush fit magazine. Mm-hmm. So that would um you know, it could potentially be a negative. Uh recently i've i've taken a job in the uh the non-free state of massachusetts so um i've got it when i go to work i've got to travel to that state so i've got to run 10 round magazines anyway and to be honest rather than half the basically half of my week i'm down in massachusetts so i got 10 round magazines i don't switch to new hampshire magazines on my other three days and worry about switching back and forth so I've just been running ten round magazines, even though it's not illegal for me to have them up here. Well, this is um, a
1: bit of a digression, but you're mm-hmm. from out of state. You really have to download your mags. Uh,
0: according to to the research that uh, that I did, and I talked to some Massachusetts farms instructors, uh, the way the way I'm carrying is under the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act, and um, so basically, I can carry in all fifty states. Um, as long as I do some things like have retired, um, uh, retired credentials, uh, I've got to do the, an annual qualification every year. But, um, according to my, uh, contacts at, um, Mielefi, uh, which hopefully I can remember what that means. It's the Massachusetts Law Enforcement, um, uh, Instructors and Armors Association, I think is, uh, is what it, the technical term is. I talked to some of those guys and the way, um... The way Leosa was written up, it doesn't uh, it doesn't give you any uh, authorization to trump um, different states' magazine capacity um, limitations. So yeah, they said that uh, those guys said that yeah, you can carry on Leosa obviously, but to, but they're uh, and they talked to some lawyers. It looks like you still need to run ten round magazines mm-hmm. in your pistols. So.
1: Wonder how that works because I've been, you know, I on a non-res mass permit. I've never changed my mags out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go into Boston obviously because they're a different set. of, They're a different type of pudding. Yep. But um, you know, I've just never changed them out. So. Yeah. Oops.
0: Well, we're not again. We're not lawyers here, yeah. so we're not giving
1: you legal advice. Uh, you know, you,
0: Scott could be wrong. I could be wrong. But uh, not again. Be. Just yeah. Really yeah. But just uh, you know, be aware of that thing. But any so. To get back out of that rabbit hole, Please. fifteen versus seventeen rounds doesn't mean a whole lot for me right now because I'm running tens anyway. But it does seem, um, and you know, I think that was Daniel's one criticism of the uh, the pistol. He, he had great luck with it, running it for two thousand rounds, but a um, little on the big side. He he was um, you know prepared to kind of switch over to it, but it's a little big for him. He was asking. Uh, the manufacturer if they would come out with a, a compact model maybe a little bit um, a little bit smaller barrel length that's just a hair over four inches which is usually it is usually that compact size that's usually a mid-range gun usually at least in my experience four and a half five inches is a full size so it does seem to have some of those characteristics for a a compact version and again every manufacturer gets to determine what their version of compact, what their version of full size is, but it seems like uh, it seems like it's kind of in a middle spot where it's somewhat compact in its barrel length, but it's not so compact in the grip area. But you still only get the fifteen rounds, so it might be a might be a consideration.
1: Uh, yes, if I put everything next to the, to the like I do with Glock nineteen or the three twenty carry, mm-hmm. um, you know, or I'm sorry, the three twenty compact you know, those are 15-in-1 guns, it's, um, this is just, it's just slightly larger. But again, I'm not sure if that really makes all that much of a difference or not. You know, it's, uh, if you got a good inside the waistband holster, or just even a good on the waistband holster, and you dress appropriately, you can conceal the gun. It's yeah. it's the guys running around in, you know, shorts with no belt, and, you know, the, the light summer shirt open over a wife beater trying to conceal, you know, a big gun like this. I think they might run into problems, but. I yeah. did see a uh, some pictures and some discussion. I believe HK is releasing a P30SK. SK. S-K. Uh, and subcompact,
0: that's how, does their subcompact gun. Because that's how you spell compact in German, with a K, uh, right?
1: well, Yeah, yeah Kurz, K-U-R-Z, short. Yep. Um, so it's I I, I know that the, if they did done it in the P30, it's just a matter of time.
0: Yeah, you know, and, uh, th- I mean, this gun came out... Uh, at least it was supposed to be, I don't know if it, uh, but July, you know, ba- basically mid-year of last year. So, and I haven't uh, in my, you know, a little bit of research, I haven't found a whole lot of negative out there. Yeah. So it seems like if you, if you shoot one, you like it. And uh, it seems to be a viable, you know, option for, for the law enforcement, the military applications, but also for, uh, you know, concealed carry. Uh, it, one of the things that, you know, we're te- when we teach classes here at the Sig Sauer Academy, we're not selling you Sig guns. So, I mean, our biggest consideration is the, the fit of the pistol. And if this size pistol fits your hand, if this, um, if I'm a, you know, first time buyer, I'm looking to or maybe even looking just to, I know I want to transition to this. If it fits, I'm not going to be worried about 15 rounds versus 17 rounds. If it fits my hand, um, that's not going to be a a big negative for me
1: yeah it's yeah the ultimately fit yeah exactly Mm -hmm. can you shoot it now i don't get hung up on brand and stuff like that if if the person can hit it so you know know, talking about brand and stuff is like caliber arguments Mm -hmm. to me it doesn't make sense if the gun works every time reliability trumps all of that
0: so the only thing we really haven't uh talked about before the I say that, but I'm sure we'll think about five more things to talk about. But the uh, the barrel itself, cold hammer forged, and it's got, um, well, I believe it's pronounced polygonal yeah. rifling. In fact, uh, if we really want to get technical, we would say that it's got six grooves, a right-hand twist that uh, twists once in every 9.8 inches. Wow, look at you. Yes, I can search on the Internet as well as anybody. Uh, what are your experiences with the uh,
1: polygonal barrels? Any uh, preference, really? You know what? It's. I think people get hung up on it a lot. To shoot jack, jacketed ammo through them, they work just fine. Mm-hmm. I shoot jacketed ammo only because I'm concerned about my lead levels, anyways. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's and that's that's a, a something that people got to consider if they're doing a lot of shooting. I talked to a. Uh, had a student in my class this weekend who we were starting to talk about lead levels and he's a training you know he's a real training junkie but his lead level was well over six almost to the seven point wow you know and that's that's risk on health and you know chelation is not a, a, a pleasant experience so um you know i think that you know you get these guys these older guys that are still cutting and swagging their own bullets and things like that casting their own bullets mm-hmm. and i'm um, you know, I'm not a big fan. The polygonal rifling, certainly, uh, it, it's accurate enough. I haven't found too many people who, who could shoot more accurately than their pistols. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can stand back at 15 yards and constantly put all the bullets in the same hole, then I'll be impressed. Yep. And I'll say, yeah, you probably should put one of those super match-grade barrels on there. But uh, I do have some M&Ps and some Glocks that I've switched over to Storm Lake or uh, other types of barrels, um, only because I would worn the other barrels out. You know, mm-hmm. so and those have the you know the more land and groove traditional type of rifling i don't think i noticed much of a difference
0: yeah so. they say at least according to the marketing materials that i downloaded off the internet um should contribute to a longer service life and a slight increase in muzzle velocity um they mentioned that they did a um test in a nine millimeter p30 barrel had more than ninety thousand rounds through uh an endurance test they did in 2010. So, other than that, suggested retail price $719, uh, which is
1: very un hk like yeah. yeah, is it usually more or less? Yeah, HKs usually go for a pretty good price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, for them to put a striker gun out there at that range means they're mm-hmm. they're a little more serious about it.
0: And uh, so, just some again the, some overall stats. If uh, if you need these things, length. Length of the pistol, according to the H&K website, 7.34 inches. Height of 5.41 inches. Width of 1.32 inches. Uh, We already said the barrel length was 4.09 inches. Trigger pull, um, supposed to measure uh, at 5.4 pounds, according to um, their materials. Uh, I did a sloppy job with a Lyman trigger pull gauge, and I was getting just above 6 pounds, but... Uh, this gun hasn't been fired, so you know as it gets worn, that could drop down a little bit. And well, also, you, you know,
1: the the perfect environment of the factory test lab versus yeah, versus me holding it in one hand yeah. and pulling the trigger pull gauge with the other. Yeah, I've so. never been able to duplicate using trigger pull gauges what they say at the factory is the trigger pull. So yeah. You know, it's just. Uh, let's see. So
0: trigger travel says point two four inches with a uh, return travel. I assume that would be you know what we kind of refer to as the reset of point one two inches so that's kind of all the half the stats distance, yeah. that are out there um good so as we've been talking i noticed it started to rain so now that we're about to do a little bit of shooting uh the rain's here so cool uh we plan that very well I wonder if it ain't raining yes absolutely we're not training so uh, any other pre-show thoughts or, or pre, uh, pre-shooting pre shots on no, the... Uh...
1: No, I really want to shoot the gun. Yep. You know, I think we talked enough, and there's certainly... You know, we've lost most of the audience. Probably. Yeah, so, yeah, so
0: to get even more uh, into the weeds with it, one thing I didn't mention I noticed, uh, serial numbers on the frame, the slide, and the barrel, if that's an important thing to you. I don't
1: know. That's that European thing. Yeah,
0: yep, all the parts have the serial number on it, so I don't know if that would be... Uh, important to you or not but all right um let's uh end it here we'll do a little bit of shooting and then we'll come back with our
1: uh, impressions all right so you ready for the gunfire sounds Bang! we bang oh i'm not supposed to do it that way oh we'll do we'll do
0: uh, some actual gunfire sounds here
1: you're gonna shoot it from here
0: you think i can hit anything
1: ladies and gentlemen john mcgregor at 50 yards First round. First round out of the, what is that, the HKP-30? I'm getting confused. <laughs> and he hits. It's not really 50 yards, folks.
0: Oh, way to blow it. Where are we at about 7?
1: Yeah.
0: We're not at 7. <laughs> it's
1: 25 back here. Oh, nice shot. Put it right in the head. Well, you're certainly patterning your shotgun well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so we're back on. Uh, just fired my first magazine through the H uh, and K VP9. First of all, I mean, I think it shot as well as I could shoot it. The trigger felt good. Not a lot of take up, but it was it was an even take up. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't kind of increase in pressure at the take up. You kind of hit the wall, and then you uh, press good. Uh, you know, good crisp break using all these triggery type of things. Not much crunch, a little bit of glass rod, not quite a soft carrot type break. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, a good affirmative reset. You can feel it. You can hear it. The tab trigger really didn't didn't bother me. Um, I don't really feel it. I mean, it feels, it's definitely not smooth under my finger. You can feel that there's like a ridge there in the center, but I mean, it doesn't bother me. Inside the trigger guard, it's kind of got almost a relief cut in the bottom of the trigger guard to accommodate the travel of the trigger. So, in, at least uh, according to the Internet, that's to uh, make sure if you're going to shoot this with gloves, your glove doesn't get caught underneath the bottom of the trigger and the trigger guard to lock that in. Again, if I hadn't seen that on the Internet, I wouldn't have cared much about it at all from from my shooting perspective. Uh, it didn't bother me uh, in the least bit. Uh, sights... Again, they're plenty colorful enough here in the daylight that we're shooting at. But again, I think just for the the ability to do those uh, one hand manipulations, I'd swap those out with something that's got a ridge on it. The chamber loaded indicator on the extractor, uh, pretty much non existent. I mean, I I think, you know, maybe legally you can say it's there, but it certainly doesn't show a whole lot of red paint and tactily. I could Barely feel the difference with my bare finger. There's no chance with gloves I'd be able to tell uh, if there was a round in the chamber. So uh, I guess that's the end of my very first magazine impressions. Uh, anything, you know, that this brought back to brought back to you from, I know you haven't shot yours for a bit or
1: shot these for a while. Well, you're being kind because what John's not telling you is I shot a wonderful group on the berm right next to the target. Um <laughs> So Having a little bit of difficulty getting to, to find the, the my way onto the target there, so if, if it were mine, I'd certainly be drifting that side over. Which nice about that is, is it does allow you to drift it. So um, I, I think that's a, a big advantage. Is that yeah, you can make those adjustments. I've never been a, I haven't been a big a fan of the reset on that gun as I am on some others. And it's just because I, it's not quite as positive. So if you're a reset shooter, then maybe that would be an issue. But, um, you know, I, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm going to go back to being a trigger slapper because I grabbed too many different guns too many different times. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, don't take my word for it. It's not a bad reset. It's, a, it's a good, definitely a positive reset. It's It's tactical. It's tactile. It's audible. Um, it is tactical as well because it is in black. It right is now. black. Yes, it's tactical. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's supposed to be FDV, FDE now in order to be tactical. No, I think that was yesterday. I think it's got a Cryptek something. Oh yeah, Crypti- Cryptek yeah. Highlander. Yes. Well, that's nothing right. wrong
0: with Highlander. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, all right. So, first impressions. Let's uh, shoot this a little bit more, and uh, we'll come back see if we have any other words of wisdom. There you go.
1: Let me know when you're ready. Prepare. Oh,
0: we're we're this is being recorded now, so okay. so we're good to go.
1: Fourteen out of fifteen again. Very nice. Rapid fire, as we say in the business. I was wearing gloves, that's it. It was the gloves that caused the problem. <laughs> and they're multicam, folks oh, uh, at yeah. home, so, so they are... So really, you can't see my hands holding the yeah.
0: gun because there's camouflage. Yes. But you had spoke a little bit about the, uh, the magazine, something that, that occurs with HK magazines, was it? Well, I don't know or... if it's,
1: it's HK, but what we've noticed with these magazines um, on the P30 and the, the, the VP9 here, if you take this loaded magazine, you, you smack the bottom of this mag, you can get the, the top round to walk out, to pop out. Mm -hmm. so you have people who have incorrect techniques so they insert the insert the magazine into the gun and it's still locked open and then they start packing you know patting the bottom of it it's not a baby's bottom you don't pat this thing Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who put it in and then they have to hit it a couple of times you'll literally get that round to walk forward and then when you send the slide forward you can actually cause a malfunction because you're sending a, a round forward and then possibly another round forward so we weren't real big fans of that particular feature, um, but again, that's a, te- a technique and training thing, mm-hmm. where if you use the proper technique, that's the sound of freedom, folks. Yes. And if you use the proper technique, you drive the magazine in, period. That's it. No more padding on it. And then come over the top, you'll get what you want, or you know, hit your slide release, or whatever you do if you do the pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, any of those things, whatever works for you, that's fine. Um, I don't think you'll have the problem, but you just be be aware... That if you pat the bottom of these magazines or if you, you strike the bottom of them. Multiple times. Uh, yeah, kinda. you're gonna, you're gonna get that round to walk forward.
0: Yep. So. And you, uh, when I was shooting, you were observing the, uh, ejection pattern of the brass as it was coming out. Uh, yeah, yeah we get a,
1: I got a nice little pile right in front of me. I was standing off to the right hoping to get hit by brass and it didn't. It, it actually hit about 330. Uh, and I would say it was about two feet from you. Mm hmm. You know, in- and right. consistent
0: so, which is good
1: yeah nice consistent extraction pattern is always nice it's always you know especially if you want to set your buddies up and shoot brass down the shirt or something but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, in this case we look for it you know as a reliability thing
0: yeah all the yeah. brass should be ending up in roughly the same location if it's going all over the place then either the uh the pistols doing different things i guess some of that could be operator induced as well mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, all the brass uh, came out of the ejection port, didn't bounce back and hit me in the forehead, which is always a plus on any uh, pistol.
1: Again, if you look at this pistol, the size of the ejection port, it would be hard to press to have anything get stuck in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they've they definitely got it opened up. So
0: Yep, bevels on the front and back edges as well. Good, good uh, initial impressions. All right. Realistic
1: firing sounds being recorded. The back up, I was trying to cheat. <laughs> if I get Nobody to can the... see you cheat on audio, you yeah, know. know. If I get close enough to the target, I'll just blast one big hole, right? Fixed bayonets. You know what is weird? When I come up on this and I look at the back of the slide, from a point shooting standpoint, these little wings on the side really do kind of bother me. Really? The more I think about it, it doesn't. I feel like it's
0: crooked. Yeah, and the, the wings, the charging supports, right? I think yeah, that's the what they
1: call So Yeah, the charging supports. The slide with wings, the mm-hmm. charging supports. Yeah, official terminology. <laughs> I think that's more realistic for a one-hole. Yeah. You know, it's the clover shape and... Yeah, it's off to the left, but if you gave me any gun in the world, I'd probably shoot it off to the left. I think there's a defect in me someplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like magnetic interference, but I, you know, I always have to dri- 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 drifting my sights in order to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. But that's the more realistic one hole, I think, for it. And it's at 10, ten feet. Yeah. I'm sorry, three yards. three so yards are feet? Uh, you said 10 feet. Yeah. Three yards would be pretty close to that, though. Yeah, I think, yeah, we're, I think we're missing a foot in there someplace, <laughs> but. So, from shooting standpoint does it shoot accurately yeah it shoots it shoots more accurately than i can shoot yeah yeah i'm in the same boat yeah so so we're gonna let john do some more and see how he does all right anything in
0: particular we're doing just uh Uh,
1: well you're shooting right all right
0: i'm the loose nut behind the trigger so i'll go for uh trying out a little one hole thing
1: Five shots fairly quickly. Still a pretty good one hole.
0: Yeah, not too. Actually, I actually improved. I have two one holes there. Yeah. If yes. you notice. So I've doubled the amount of uh, one hole drills I was able to perform at once.
1: Yeah. So and this is the official obligatory drill must be done at all Sig Sauer functions. So go That's ahead and true. you could run some. Yeah, you know, couple body, one to the head. You know, have some all fun. Right, so. Yeah, you know, it's not like you're paying for the ammo. You may as well shoot it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. Ooh, kind of. Well, a little not so good on the head there.
1: Well he did hit the berm, folks, so we're doing all right. Yes,
0: yeah, so nobody's gonna get sued as a result of this.
1: Yep, yeah, again we're out of ammo.
0: Yeah. And I did feel myself going for the button that wasn't there, but didn't take me an insurmountable amount of time when it's not under the thumb to get the uh index finger over there.
1: So. I think it's a training thing.
0: Yep. So uh I've done a little bit of range time and just gonna kinda give our final impressions you want to go first or
1: well i i like the gun it works um it certainly shoots better than i can and it was comfortable i didn't find a lot of problems with it i do believe that it's too slick i still i said that before and i'll stand behind that one um it's just a little too slick for my hands mm-hmm. but would you be well served if you owned one absolutely absolutely mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean I guess similar I would have no uh, no reservations about carrying this for uh, a defensive purpose. Uh I, I you know, I understand what you're saying about the the lack of an aggressive texture on the outside of that, but um you know what I've found is you know if I've got um you know a larger framed gun that I'm I'm gonna carry in some kind of battle belt or or you know, an overt defensive kind of purpose then yeah i'll have a good aggressive grip on it but what i've noticed if it gets too aggressive you're trying to carry concealed then it hangs up on your cover garment and stuff so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that maybe the the benefit to the this grip texture is where it's not as super aggressive as maybe you'd like it's uh it's not going to get hung up on your concealed carry gear either like uh you know, a more aggressive stippling wood, and that, that might be an ad- advantage to, to somebody. Didn't really practice the reload drills, but just kind of there at the end, uh, you know, came on an empty magazine and, and reached for the mag release, and, and my thumb instinctively went for where it is on all the classic line pistols, but uh, not finding it there, it didn't take, uh, you know, but an additional bit of a second to get the index finger over there. And, and you know, kind of like... Um, You know, like we've discussed, either on-mic or off-mic, it's a training issue. It's something that you definitely don't want to, if you haven't shot this magazine release before, you don't want to go down to the gun store, buy your box of hollow points, and just load it up and stick it in the holster and think that, uh, you know, you're going to be ready to go. You're going to want to spend a little bit of time. But it's not not an insurmountable amount of time, I don't think, to, to get over to that type of mag release and you know it's it's good i I like the the fully ambidextrous quality to it you know you know you pick one of these up it's going to run the same no matter if it belongs to a right-handed shooter or left-handed shooter
1: well there's that but also it it doesn't matter whether you're you know which side your strong side is you have to train to the support side too Mm -hmm. Uh, not because you're going to get hit You know, i mean yeah, that might happen, but you're far more likely to be using your other hand to move somebody out of the way or, you know, for any number of things. So if you can't, you know, if you can't run that gun with both hands easily, um, yeah. I think that, you know, you got to rethink that. And that this gun allows you to do that. It truly does. hmm And what do you think? Between the two of us,
0: a really brief test, what, like, 50, 100 rounds or something. Yeah. Um trigger um i mean i liked it i wasn't i don't think i was as good as i could be if i spent some time with it but um you know it seemed like a good trigger press for me um you know good affirmative reset i didn't have any complaints about the trigger at all
1: no, not at all it's it, i agree with you if i spent more time shooting it mm-hmm. I, i'd probably be better off with it but at the end there it printed uh, reasonably good one-hole drills for both of us. And, you know, the the whole one-hole drill thing, for people who aren't familiar with that that's not an accuracy test of the gun. That's an accuracy test of the shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you can keep your front sight in the same spot while you're pressing that trigger. And, you know, at, there, at the end, those last couple of one-hole dr- drills, it um, definitely, uh, I was able to, to print a decent group with it, and so were you. So I think that uh, the trigger, once you get used to it, It works really well. I think it's got a good break. It's got a positive reset. So yeah, yeah. There's no complaints on it.
0: Yeah, it certainly, like you said, shoots uh, more accurately than I do. Uh, Obviously, we haven't tested anything as far as reliability with the limited amount of rounds that we fired through it. But um, I mean, I think I know. uh, Again, Daniel tested his for two thousand, no problem. H and K's got a pretty good reputation as far as the reliability is concerned. So uh, that wouldn't be, wouldn't be an anticipated issue that I would have going to this gun. I mean, obviously, you know, with any pistol, I'm going to want to buy enough defensive ammunition and put that through the gun just to make sure that, uh, you know, my defensive ammo cycles and, you know, I'll typically, um, you know, for me personally with my, you know, testing my mags, testing my, uh, my ammo somewhere in the, Bottom end of the scale, 200 rounds. If I can get 200 rounds of defensive through, that's good enough for me. Do you
1: do anything different, little? Generally, I'm in that 2 to 250 range. Uh, 1911s, I tend to run a little bit more, but yeah, you know, it's, it's important to to not confuse endurance testing that manufacturers do with real life application. And one of the things that you have to remember is you got to test your gun the way you're going to fight with your gun. You know, does it clear my garment? Is it in the way? How do I carry it? how does it work you know the manufacturer goes out and we've all had to do this here at the academy where we've gone and done tests support for endurance testing where you know here's the gun and here's 10,000 rounds and every 250 rounds you cool the gun down and you relube it and then you shoot it some more for another 250 rounds that's not the same as working that gun from a holster after having carried it um you know all of those different things and you know you got a I I think you got to work your gun a little dry if it's your carry gun because the oil evaporates. So when you're testing it, truly test your kit, but test your kit in a hardcore fashion because you know it will work in uh, optimal conditions. Anybody can go to the range, lube their gun, and have it work. Mm -hmm. But can you carry it for three weeks and then go to the range and shoot it, and will it work? that's, That's more of a test that I think that people need to understand that, Sure, people are, you know, they've got 30,000 rounds through their gun, and it's just, you know, the the manufacturer said that they were in endurance. Great. Okay, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. But how many people are ever going to actually get to that point? You know, tell me how it works after I get it wet. Tell me after, how it works after I ignore it for a month. Mm-hmm. You know, those types of things. I, I think that this gun, um, and I know firsthand because we did that to it, Yeah. You know, we abused him. I mean, we were hard on him. We got him dirty and hosed, you know, blew him off, hosed him off, dunked him in, you know, water, all of that. And the gun continued to run. So I I was really impressed with it as far as not just endurance, but durability testing. And that's really more, you know, put it in context in your life. If it works within the context of your life, then you probably could be very comfortable and confident carrying it.
0: Mm. So the, the endurance testing is it's almost a verification of the theoretical whereas a more practical approach is you know kind of what you're talking about and that that makes sense i mean you're gonna you might feel it coming out of the box i mean grip texture and stuff like we just talked about it might be fine you know taking it out of your lock box you're safe or whatever but it's not until you actually kind of put it in in use you're going to find out is it too aggressive for my clothing and as far as my covered garments and so forth. So, uh, I mean, that's a very good point about about how many rounds to put through. With that, I think we're going to wrap up our uh, H&K extravaganza. Scott, I appreciate you uh, coming out here making this possible. Thanks for having me. All right, um, and I'll be back in a bit to wrap up the show. After putting our segments together, I realized that uh, one of the things we didn't talk about was how to take down the pistol how it comes apart from maintenance and basically it's very similar if you're familiar with sig pistols at all basically on the left side of the pistol right above the trigger is a takedown lever takedown lever is in a horizontal configuration normally if you lock the slide to the rear and from there move the takedown lever in a vertical position when you bring the slide forward you can slide the slide forward off the frame of the pistol from there the recoil spring and recoil spring guide rod or one unit, they don't come apart, so they come out, and then the barrel comes out of the slide. You've got to take the magazine out of the pistol in order to to field strip it, and you do not have to pull the trigger to uh, field strip the uh, the VP9. But other than that, it's uh, it's pretty much standard semi-automatic pistol procedure for for taking uh, taking it apart and doing maintenance as well. But uh, once again, uh, I want to thank Scott Ballard for making uh, the episode possible, working with me on it, and just uh, having some fun with me out on the range. Don't forget, uh, if you've got any feedback or want to uh, ask any questions uh, about the show, uh, john at gunfightercast.com or daniel at gunfightercast.com. If you've got anything for Scott and you want to send it to me, I will be sure to forward it to him as well. If you haven't already done so, uh, go out and join the Facebook page, um, kind of our main social presence is that. And also the, uh, the website as well at, uh, gunfightercast.com. So I want to thank you for listening to this, uh, this longer episode. I appreciate you hanging in there to the end. Till next time, Gunfighter Cast out.